Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 153, Jerusalem and Babylon. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm curious to know what kind of fallout we're going to have from our episode about Washington, D.C. Uh-oh. They're uh, coming to get us? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, I, they're probably, we're probably insignificant to them, but, you know, they, they have a tendency to want to... Uh, 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 Ark inside their enemies. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and we, they are clearly the enemy of God. Uh, so I'm not worried about it because the Lord is, um, you know, we put our trust in him. But, uh, yeah, we should have um, some very good, um, some interesting responses. Yeah, it might have touched a couple nerves. You know, so. with people that are like, oh, we need to save this country. Yeah. It's like, ah, I don't know, man. It's been written. <laughs> it's been written, and, you know, I... I I'm patri- not saying it's hopeless. I'm patriotism saying- is an interesting thing it because, is. yeah, I'm happy I live in a country where we have at least some remaining freedoms. Yeah. Uh, we have far fewer than we think we do. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not a citizen of this world. Yeah. You know, my citizenship is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking to leave this planet because even if we could fix everything, it's a sin-cursed earth. Yeah. It's a mess. So I want the Lord to come back. So if you if you have a political problem with that, you don't need to write me because I, I don't <laughs> really care. Um, it's it's not that I don't care about America. Yeah. It's just that I know what's happening. In fact, I would argue the opposite. The ones who care the most about America are praying for people to get saved. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that. There's our job, right? Yeah. Preaching we, the truth. Yeah. We know the ship's going down. Yeah. So, but you got to try to get as many people in the lifeboats as you can. You know, a man, uh, you and I both know this man, Brother E.C. Moore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Years ago, we went to a Shoney's restaurant after a Bible conference, and we sat down to eat. And at the end, he picked up the tab. And when the waitress came to bring him back his change, he looked at her and he said, uh, do you believe in outer space travel? And this woman kind of was like, who's this old guy? <laughs> you know? yeah. And she said, well, I think we went to the moon, if that's what you meant. And he said, well, I have a father who's very, very rich, and he's preparing a vessel to leave this planet, and I wonder if you'd be interested in joining us. And she kind of looked and at him like, like, oh, yeah. man, a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> And he began to tell her how that Jesus Christ died for her sins. Uh-huh. And there's a church called the Body of Christ that once it's it's filled up, the Lord's going to come take us out of this world, you know. Uh-huh. And it was amazing how he used that to tie it into yeah. witnessing to her. And, and that kind of thing does more good than all the political activism yeah. that you could get involved in. Because yeah. one by one, we're hoping... To reach people with the truth about Jesus Christ. 
So uh, hopefully that's what we're accomplishing. You know, anytime I've ever gotten all bent out of shape or whatever about politics or ah, I'm reading it every day and I'm all up, it's just such a hopeless feeling. Like it's a no-win situation. Yeah. You know, that's what I've always felt about it. Like I... Well, ask yourself. I, I get all into it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go yeah. work on this, getting this candidate into the office. Not that I've ever done that, but you know what I mean. I, yeah. I, I get up, on I that, I'm having conversations with people, and then after a while, you're just like, no matter what we do here, it just it keeps going on without me. You and, know, in mean? all like, the years that we've been voting, what has changed? What has gotten yeah. better? I mean, you like I said, cognitive dissonance. You have to wake up at some point and smell the bacon and realize. This is not getting better, and the Bible said it wasn't going to yeah. get better. So what, why are you shoveling against the tide when you could be serving the Lord? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's my feeling hmm. about it. Uh, in the news, John Kerry says climate change deniers are part of a dangerous cult. Boy, that's not the pot calling wow. the kettle black. Okay. Well, He is a dangerous cult. <laughs> he is one of the satanic global elites, the most dangerous cult there is. And he's saying climate deniers, climate change deniers. Of course, he's not talking about the Lord burning the earth up. He's talking about carbon. But that's just them establishing more of their rhetoric so that they can move their agenda forward. The best parallel I can think of to that is when the pandemic was going on. A lot of people are going to say the pandemic never ended, but whatever. And they were saying, uh, this is, remember how the narrative changed during the COVID-19 pandemic? It started from... Flatten the curve. Yeah, yeah, to all of a sudden, now, this has become a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah. Remember, the, it was oh, the yeah. narrative, and it was like, well, hold on. But you're saying that the vaccines that you develop won't stop COVID-19, but now you're saying that it's the people that won't take this vaccine because they don't understand what it is, and now they are the ones causing that. It just made oh, no sense, but it was all about done, the And they're bringing it back. They're planning on doing the By the, the way, shutdowns. we're getting kicked off of YouTube for sure now after that last statement. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we violate their community standards because, you know, Google is filled with medical experts that know mm -hmm. everything about anything. No, they're planning on bringing masks and, and shutdowns and the forced vaccinations again. It's coming. This month? Yeah. By the way, folks, um, we want to remind everybody here, because I know YouTube is popular and growing, but the, Google is run by the satanic global elite, so we're just using their tools against them. I have every expectation that they're going to remove us and do things. But Rumble, we're on Rumble, and they don't do that. Yeah. So any episodes that you can't watch here, watch on Rumble. Okay. Uh, because they're not run by satanic People. We like, should maybe start bringing that up at the beginning of every podcast, then, so people know. Yeah, I guess where we could. Go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Ho well, hopefully, people will know that they have many options. But um, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up about mm -hmm. you know, as somebody as absolutely useless, worthless, and insignificant as John Kerry, uh, making statements like that makes the news. But um, he's he's as big an idiot as any of them, mm -hmm. you know. So. Rock legend Alice Cooper condemns the fad of indulging children in gen transgenderism. Isn't it sad that it takes a, a guy like Alice Cooper to, to tell us that transgender is wrong? <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, that's just funny to me. And I, I have no, I have nothing against Alice Cooper, but he was the originator of shock rock and oh, yeah. used to do Welcome to My Nightmare and yeah, yeah. Feed My Frankenstein and all these kind of <laughs> you know, very satanic 
oriented things. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some people tell me that he may have found faith in Christ. I hope that's true. Uh, he has a testimony of faith. Does he? Yeah. I've, I've seen uh, short clips of him, you know, talking about it. Wow. Well, more power to him. And uh, yeah. it, it's funny how others, even I think Carlos Santana said something the other day, but man is a man and a woman is a woman. Yeah. No, I, saw that. I mean, there's people are starting to stand up and fight this. So you know that means they're gonna. You, so you got the one side that says, "Ah, they're on the ropes, they're on the run," because the people are starting to stand up against them. But no, I'm not so sure. I think they're trying to find out who their targets are, hmm. because they are going to promote their agenda. Yeah, you know, they they're going to try their best to eliminate them. By the way, John, uh, speaking of doing some good and reaching people. 201,000 wow. unique listeners. Unique uh, listeners. As okay. of today um, on Captivate. That's all because you guys are helping spread the word. I think right now our YouTube channel has close to 4,500 subscribers. Okay. Now, our actual paid subscribers, our seekers, uh, that's the number we're hoping to get up because we want to try to fund our show and have it self-sustaining. And have it expand. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely expand. So we have a goal of 500 uh, by the end of the year. I'm not so sure we're going to meet that. We're at 325 now. Okay. So it, it's touch and go. We might be able to get there. There's a lot of attrition, and we understand that because, yeah. you know, it's it's an expense. Uh, seven bucks a month for the premium content. But we try our best to give you something for that value. You get the full length mm-hmm. episodes of, of our guest interviews. You get our newsletter, which we, we do an article every week, and we answer questions, mm-hmm. listener questions. We have a video for On the Patio, which we do every month. Yep. And then also we have a forum at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com where it's our Seekers Forum where you can come in there and gain access to all that content and the show notes, the downloadable show notes, okay. I keep forgetting. But also you can you know comment to us, say things, ask for prayer requests, whatever. So we want to try to make it something that you feel like you're getting some value for this. But either way, we appreciate you guys for subscribing. But most importantly, you're supporting a ministry. True. Yeah. And people can donate too. They do no- yeah. donate through yeah. Unlock the Bible Now. And you can donate through Supercast as well for the for the podcast. So we appreciate that as yeah. well. As a matter of fact, for those that donate regularly, you you do not know what a blessing that is that we can actually budget, no matter how small, that amount to put towards what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we have to purchase newer equipment or whatever. Uh, we're always trying to improve. And so uh, ultimately, uh, we're paying for services and things. Oh, I, I should mention before it's too late, um, September the 18th of 2023 will be our third year anniversary. Okay. That's the day three years ago that we put our first podcast out. So we're going to have a live Q&A session, which we're going to try to air on something like YouTube or Facebook. I guess it's going to depend on whether YouTube bans us again. <laughs> um, okay. And if we have to, we'll, we'll do it on the Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, um, you know, whatever it takes. Uh, yeah, be looking for that. We'll be advertising that. Sandy, my producer, will be uh, promoting that. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Three years, 201,000 unique listeners. listeners. And 154 episodes. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of research. And only missed one week, which was a few weeks ago, because my dad passed away. Yeah. And that just, uh, you know, the, the timing couldn't work out for us to get that finished uh, and by the way, we had a lot of very nice well wishes and prayers and sympathy thoughts from all of you about my dad, Bill Mitchell, yeah. 
just so you'll know, he had a testimony, so mm-hmm. he's with the Lord. He's where I want to be, and um, I appreciate all of you that sent your thoughts and prayers. Okay. All right, John, why don't we get started today? Yeah, so let's talk about the uh, the seekers that we have mm-hmm. that brought this episode to us, right? So uh, we would like to say thank you to Sharon G., Scott D., Vanessa N., Cindy and Dave Z., and Abby D., all of which became Seekers, which is our premium subscribers in March of this year. We appreciate you you guys very, very much. Thank you for supporting us. So, John, we're going to talk about Jerusalem versus Babylon today, as promised last episode. Many, many have tried to decipher the meaning of Mystery Babylon, uh, the mother of harlots in the book of Revelation. Uh, It's been applied to Rome, the Catholic Church, London, Mm -hmm. Washington, America, Hollywood, the Pope. I mean, there's been so many uh, attempts to try to describe it Mm -hmm. and and decipher it. Uh, You know, they thought Hitler was the Antichrist, so maybe the Third Reich, whatever. And so Babylon certainly has its historical ties to Iraq or Shinar and Assyria, which is kind of the progenitor of the Babylonian Empire. And it is, in fact, the birthplace of the mystery religion that worships the serpent. So all all the false god religions that come up through the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans started at Babylon. Okay. And people want to get into this thing about the Sumerians and the Akkadians and the Anunnaki and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's there's some truth to that Mm -hmm. uh, in the way that uh, all that came down. But this mystery of iniquity... This false worship of ultimately Satan yeah. was carried to all nations, languages, and cultures. And it is my contention that the grand scheme culminates in the birth of a wealthy apostate Jerusalem that will ultimately be the headquarters for the beast. Okay. And so I think Mystery Babylon is a picture of apostate Jerusalem, and we're going to look at that today. Uh, we're going to start in Revelation 17. Because that's where we get the term. We need to take note that this woman we're about to read about is the mother of many harlots. Okay. So like I mentioned, I think uh, maybe last episode, it could be that all these cities that have ever had prominence or power at one point, like Washington or London or Paris or uh-huh. Madrid, wherever the first kingdom or Byzantium you mm-hmm. know, or yeah. Rome... Uh, they are probably daughters of the main harlot. Okay. But that ultimately the one that's going to culminate and why she's called Mystery Babylon is because she's identified with being drunk with the blood of martyrs and saints. And this is going to help us identify the location. Okay. So Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, which is here. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore, that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So remember that term, drunk with wine, uh, and, and fornication, because they both tie in with idolatry and martyrs. Okay. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy. Now, right off the bat, something just popped into my head. I'm going to interrupt myself. He carried me in the spirit into the wilderness. Over and over again in the wilderness, we see referred to as a place of refuge for Israel when they flee from the Antichrist. So it's almost like 
from the vantage point of being in that place of refuge, they're looking back at where they just came out. Okay. Another indicator of where this is. Okay. Okay. So I took me into the wilderness, saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy. So the scarlet-colored beast is the serpent or the dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. Not the woman, but the beast. Mm -hmm. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, and in all capital letters in the King James Bible, it's the name Mystery, comma, Babylon the Great, comma, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So her title isn't really Mystery Babylon. Mm-hmm. Her title is, here's a mystery. Yeah. Babylon the Great, who is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, is this woman. Okay. Yeah. Which we're going to see in a moment is a city. Okay. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. All right. Now, if we're calling it Babylon from antiquity, as we talked about the Tower of Babel a little bit last week, and we're going to go yeah. into more detail in a minute. Well, there weren't martyrs of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. At the Tower of Babel in the time of Nimrod and all that stuff, you know, there were certainly, mm-hmm. you know, martyrs who who might have been righteous people that were killed mm-hmm. for their belief in God, but you couldn't call them the martyrs of Jesus. You yeah. Know, yeah. At the time, so that's another clue to help us identify. Okay. The city. So let's go to Genesis eleven, and we're this time we'll read the the account of Babylon. We we already read some of it last episode where it said that Babylon was, uh, they went to build a city and a tower. But we didn't get to the name. So in Genesis 11, verse 8, it says, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. He came down to cause them to stop doing what they were doing. Yeah. And they left off to build the city. So it's a city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So Babel, or Babylon, has its beginnings in Genesis. And it was the location of a great defiance against God and his plan or purpose. Mm -hmm. It is my belief that the builders of Babel, like we discussed a little bit last week, they sought to entice the fallen princes. To come back. All in angels to come yeah. down, yeah, to trade their daughters for secret knowledge mm-hmm. in exchange for, you know, this technology. For, for more secret knowledge because they had already yeah. done it once, yes. right? Which would have been lost through the flood of Noah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Other it, than Noah you had in Genesis yeah. 6, they did it. Yeah. They got technology, then it was lost during the flood. Exactly. And I believe, and I personally think this is the origin of Freemasonry. They were building a tower with stone, brick. Yeah. Those were the Freemasons. Yeah. They'll even agree that that's where they started. Hmm. And so, but all this knowledge they wanted is Luciferian teachings. Yeah. You know, the dragon's religion. That's where it started. And it's very interesting to note that it doesn't say that in Genesis 11, but the one involved probably uh, in leading this building of the city may have been Nimrod. Now, it's possible yeah. he had died and another guy was building the city, you know, as the architect or the head guy. Okay. But in okay. Genesis 10, verse 8, we read that 
Uh, there's a genealogy, Cush, who's the son of Ham, who's the son of Noah. Yeah. Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth, and some speculate he could have been somehow uh, another Nephilim hybrid. And, and if he were, then when Genesis 6 said there were uh, giants in the earth in those days and also after that, yeah. when the sons of God, so some maybe have come down again after that time, yes. and he might have been one of the first giants in that new yeah. generation. Yeah. Lesser than the first group, you know, maybe somewhat removed. So you're saying a second incursion coming yeah. in. But this verse right here, because Cush begat Nimrod, and he became a mighty one on the earth, goes back to the other theory, which you had spoken of before, which was that the genetic, the Nephilim genetics had gone through the ark, through Cush's wife. Right, and, and to give proper credit for that, our brother Ryan Peterson uh, wrote about that yeah. in Judgment yeah. of the Nephilim, and he, he does make a very good argument about the possibility that it was Ham's wife that may have had genetically altered DNA from the Nephilim. Yeah, yeah Ham's, Ham, Ham's son was Cush, right? Ham's son was Canaan. Okay. So Cush was another son of uh, Ham. Okay. Uh, but uh, I, I no longer think that that idea is as plausible as a second incursion. Okay. I, I have already made that statement, too. And, and I, I haven't talked with Ryan at length about that. I, I agree with almost everything else he and I have ever discussed. But on mm -hmm. that point... I felt like I was um, reading, and also after that, in the wrong light. Ryan yeah. never brought that up. He just brings up the genetics yeah, of, yeah. of the thing. But L.A. Marzulli does. Bring, when you, you're talking about that phrase in that verse that says, and there were giants in the, <clears throat> in the world in those days, comma, and after that. L.A. does bring that yeah, up. Yeah. In that book. Counter move. Yeah, counter move. He, yeah. he makes a very clear argument there, which was the way I originally read it myself because yeah. I thought, well, that, that's clear English to me. So I've returned to that clearer meaning <laughs> and understanding of that. Even before I read Counter Move, I, I was, before I even knew who either of these two men were, yeah. I was thinking after that meant a second incursion. Oh, but really? I changed okay. my mind about it when I read The Judgment of the Nephilim. Okay. And that seemed very plausible, and I preached it, and then I turned around and preached it. I, I talked and now you've changed back again. And I've changed again. <laughs> and we did this episode a few weeks back. Yeah. A few weeks back. So it's not that I'm, and I will always correct my thinking. If mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you, I'll admit I'm wrong if I'm, if yeah, I'm yeah. correct. So I may go back to it. I don't know. Uh, but the reason I bring that up is because is it possible that if Nimrod may have been a hybrid, and he had nothing to do with Canaan. You know, mm -hmm. now there could have been. You could say, well, there was genetics from Ham's wife, and it could give more argument to Ryan's, Ryan Peterson's uh, theory. Yeah. But what if somehow there was another thing going on there? We talk about abductions today. We've had Karen Wilkinson on, yeah, multiple abductee, and the way that they operate. And and by the way, Karen is going to come back on the show soon, and I can't okay. wait. Yeah. She's got a book that's ready, and I've mm -hmm. read it, an advanced copy of it, and I know she's still got to make some a few tweaks mm -hmm. to it. Uh, she's told me she's working hard on getting that done, but folks, you're not going to be able to put this book down. Uh, first-hand oh, yeah. experience of an abductee like this is uh, it's beyond what she shared with us in our interview. It's she incredible. sent me a copy. I read it in two days. <clears throat> it takes me three months to read a book. <laughs> I'm I'm, I read it in two days. It wasn't it. 
You couldn't put it down. Yeah, and, and it's a really easy read, too. Yeah. So I sent her some notes saying it's a great read, but it is pretty wild. I'm, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag on what it is. Yeah, that's in I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to let it. The spoiler alert t- thing, you know. <laughs> but uh, when we have her back, we're going to talk about it. And and what I'll do is when I have the final copy, I'm going to read it again before before I have her on. But uh, I'm here to tell you that if they can genetically manipulate and create hybrids now, which I think they're doing, yeah, then why couldn't they have done that with Nimrod, or for that matter, other giants in yeah, the yeah. land? And it was maybe a, a new technology for them, or it was a fledgling thing. And so my thinking mm-hmm. is, and I don't know this, but it's just a theory. I don't know that Nimrod was um, was a hybrid, but if he was, but it says he was a mighty man, a mighty one. Yeah, a mighty one in the or that I know that was Giborim, which is the same mighty uh, mighty men, men of renown, from Genesis yeah, six. Yeah. Uh, and I could look that up right quick and find it. I guess I should take just a second because it will only take me a second to look up the word Giborim. Well, while I, you're looking that up, so going back to, you have Ryan Peterson's theory of the mm-hmm. genetics came through the ark. You have L.A. Marzulli saying there was a second incursion, which you said that you believe in now. It doesn't matter, I guess, either way, because we know the Nephilim were there after the flood. Because when Joshua went into the to the land they were there. Yeah. Right? So they were there one way or another, right? Exactly. And by the way, Gibor, Gibor, the Hebrew word is mighty men, the same one for the giants. Okay. So Nimrod, another possibility that Nimrod may have been a hybrid. And if he were, and if they can abduct and make genetic manipulations now, why couldn't they have done that back then? Yeah, yeah. And so that lends itself to this idea that I want to present. Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. There's that mighty over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, mm-hmm. and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalne in the land of Shinar. So Shinar seems to be like giant central. Yeah. But is it possible that the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, that they saw Nimrod, that he's a hybrid, and it's like, oh, then the gods must have come down and created this special thing again. In other words, Cush begat him. Cush is his father. So we, you can't say his father was necessarily a fallen angel. Maybe he was, something was going on there. Maybe there was a, a fetus implanted in Cush's wife. I don't know. You know, similar yeah. to what we learned with Karen. If that's the case, the beginning of his kingdom is Babel. And what are they doing with Babel? They're trying to reach back to the gods to say, come down. We want more of this. Yeah. Maybe that's what was going on when the Lord came down and said, I got to stop this. And he stopped hmm. it at that time. And now as it's resurged again, you could say, uh, for whatever reason, uh, it's a different agenda. There's a secret thing going on. And and I know that L.A. Marzulli now attributes these words to, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. I'm one of the great Bible teachers about UFOs who's passed away. And I apologize to, to that man I watch his videos all the time, and I just can't think of his name. Just recently passed away? No. No, it's been a few years. But uh, Dev, uh, uh, L.A. quotes him when he says, the dragon knows he's outnumbered two to one. Okay. So he's building an army. And uh, and I, the next time I talk to L.A., he's going to have to fuss at me for forgetting this man's name because he is the granddaddy but of all. But you're not talking Mike Heiser, though, right? Uh, not Michael Heiser, but um, the other one. And I'm just... It's when you get older, you just forget. <laughs> it just happens, yeah. man. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, oh my gosh, Calvary Chapel was the church out there in California. Uh, that's just sad. Everybody that watches this who knows I'm an idiot is going to comment and say... Well, they know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> they, right. they know exactly what I'm well, talking about. So Babylon, the Hebrew word is Babel. Mm-hmm. It is Babel. It's the same word. It's used 262 times in the King James Bible. Hmm. It's it's Babel or Babel a few times, like where we just read in Genesis 10 and 11. And then it's Babylon the rest of the time in the Bible. And then it's, it's used 12 times in the Greek New Testament. So a total of 274 times that city is named in the Bible. Hmm. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. It's pretty There's something significant about yeah. that. Yeah, That alone tells me. And, and the word literally means confusion by mixing. Yeah. So you think, okay, mixing. Mixing what? I know they made brick and slime. Were they mixing mm-hmm. masonry products? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what this whole thing means, mixing genetics. Yeah. Babylon is the is where all that you're, began. You're not going back to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar are you? Well, Iron in a, mixed with miry yes, clay? Yes, in a sense, I think we're talking about yeah. that's what it means by mixing. And it says they shall not mingle themselves. It's mixing. They shall not cleave one to another. Yeah. So you have beings that are mixing together, but they can't fully pull off the... Am I going on the right path here? Well, they can't fully pull off making a hybrid human being. If I had They're to speculate, trying. you're saying something that's really, really interesting, John, because if I had to speculate, I'm thinking that human beings back then, in the days of Genesis 6 mm-hmm. and Babel, Genesis 11, may have still retained the genetic makeup of, remember, they lived upwards of 900 years. Yeah, okay. yeah. After the flood of Noah, they began to deteriorate. So I think the the Nephilim were lesser versions than the Genesis 6 ones. Okay, yeah. Okay, like Goliath and Ogabashan. Yeah. We're still giants. Yeah. But human lifespan began to gradually decrease quickly mm-hmm. after that. And we went from 900, 800, 600 years, whatever, to 175 was old. Yeah. To you get to the, the Psalms and it says three score and ten will be the length of days of man. And if by reason of strength he makes it to four score, which is 80, mm-hmm. yet are his days like grass. And interesting, my dad just died at 83. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's pretty much the average between 70 and 80. Yeah, you have people that live in their 90s sure. and hundreds even, uh, but they buck the odds. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're they're the unique ones. So um, I think we became genetically inferior just because of sin and its degradation mm-hmm. and whatever. And so it's possible, my theory is, that the direct interaction of the sons of God taking the daughters of men to copulate and have a giant baby, and I don't mean the baby was a giant, but it grew up to be a giant, yeah. was no longer possible at a certain point because of sin and degradation. Hmm. Okay. And therefore, genetically manipulating a fetus through abduction and things like that, or some other means, might have been the way that the other giants were created or being created. Wow. You know? So maybe with Nimrod, it was something uniquely different than, say, a current abduction phenomenon going on now, where uh, aliens are like human hybrids. They look sort of like grays and sort of like humans, but they're not giants. Yeah. And yet, we uh, did you hear about these... Giant, uh, these uh, tall grays, seven foot tall grays attacking that village in Peru. That 
I didn't hear about them attacking, and I heard I thought I heard about uh, a UFO crash, and then these beings were in somebody's backyard. Is that the one you're talking? No, about? that's Las Vegas. I'm talking about Peru. Okay. Uh, and the Amazon. Uh, Timothy Alberino covers this uh, quite a bit. You have to check out some of his videos. Okay. Uh, and uh, they they were almost like uh, floating over uh, on the air, and, and they grabbed a girl, and they they're being attacked. There's a village being attacked down there by something. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I'm just saying, there's a lot of weird things going on. Like there's multiple cases of people disappearing from this village or something. Like yeah, being and attacked. and they're called uh, uh, skin peelers. The Peruvians call them skin peelers. These people show up and they're or face peelers. Okay. Their face is peeled off, like cattle mutilations. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's creepy. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So check it out. Hmm. If you look up anything about going on in Peru, uh, it's Iquitos, I think, is the city. So we've already read that Babylon had something to do with the drunken with the wine of her fornication. And if we look in Revelation 14, verse 8, we read, And there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city. So we know it's a city. Mm-hmm. In 17, it was a woman. Now we know it's a city. Because she had made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So if Babylon is drunk with the blood of martyrs and saints, then all nations participate in the persecution and death of God's people. Hmm. Okay. This is the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So we now know she's a city. The woman is a type. She's a city. And in her uh, is the blood of martyrs and saints. Yeah. All nations participate in that because they are. She made them all drink of the wine of the wrath of mm-hmm. fornication. Yeah. So I don't think it's it, the persecution only happens in one place. Yeah. It's happened all over the world and it's happening now. But it started there. Well, where did the first believers in Jesus come from? From Jerusalem. From Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. From Israel. So that's another hint on top of he took him out to the wilderness to see it, the city. And we'll get back to the city here in just a moment. But look in chapter 16, Revelation 16, verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were great voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great, which tells me, by the way, we were talking about earthquakes last week. There's an earthquake coming that has never been seen so bad. I'll be glad to be out of here. No doubt. (laughs) And the great city was divided into three parts. So imagine Hmm. an earthquake that just divides a city into three parts. Broke the whole city. Yeah, break it up. And the cities of the nations fell, so this earthquake is going to be felt all over the world. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Now, it's interesting that it said the great city was divided into three parts before it names it. Then it says the cities of the nations fell, and that's all of the nations. Mm-hmm. you know. And then it says great Babylon came in remembrance before God. So the city divided into three parts is probably Babylon. Hmm by by uh, process of elimination. Or it could mean that he's saying that the great city is Jerusalem, and then he turns around and calls her Babylon. Do you think this is any reference to a nuclear war? It possibly could be. We don't know. Yeah. 
or or the detonation of a nuclear device in the earth, maybe. Yeah, that's or under kind of, the ocean. I'm kind of thinking that, like something, yeah, like a under, missile that goes to the yeah. San Andreas fault, or yeah, goes and to it the, says all the other nations and the cities of the nations fell, almost like something happens in apostate Jerusalem, but then you also have all these other all these yeah. other cities that are destroyed from. Well, it's an earthquake. Worldwide, yeah. quote unquote, terrorist attack, nuclear weapons going. On. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Well, right, but. we know it's an earthquake, and whatever would cause such a bad earthquake, the worst it's ever been, could be natural or it could be yeah. because of us, because yeah. of a nuclear weapon. Wouldn't surprise me. They're messing around. CERN. Could be extraterrestrial, too. Could be CERN. Could be CERN, for sure. You know, could be. So um, then we read, Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. In other words, the wine of wrath is what God is pouring out because of her persecuting the saints Mm -hmm. and fornication. And every island fled away, which means why? Because of this earthquake, I bet tsunamis and tidal waves. And the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, which I think is like 100 pounds. It's either 75 or 100 pounds. Can you imagine a hailstone that big? And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, and for the plague thereof was exceeding great. So they know it's God's behind it. So God's wrath is being poured out upon the earth, but it focuses particular attention on Mystery Babylon here, her remembrance, it says. She came in remembrance before God. It's the beginning, I think, of the vengeance for the death of his prophets, his martyrs, and his mm-hmm. saints. Hmm. Okay. Prophets, martyrs, and saints. So let's go back to Revelation 17 so we can get the rest of the riddle about the woman, Mystery Babylon, okay. and put it together. So we start in verse 7. We left off at 6. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Because he said, I marveled at the woman that rode the beast, mm-hmm. you know, the, which was the dragon. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which was that dragon, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into her perdition. So it's a picture of the government of the Antichrist. Yeah. And the ten kings and all that is part of it. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundations of the world when they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sitteth. Now, there have been many that have taken that to mean, oh, well, the city sits on seven mountains, so it must be Rome because there's seven mountains in Rome or something like that. Alexander Hislop, the, The Two Babylons, is a book he wrote many years ago. Okay. And uh, but I he's not he's not saying that the city sits on seven mountains there. He said the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and they're kingdoms, they're empires. Yeah. Mountains are references to empires. There are seven kings, he says. Five are fallen, one is not, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh he must continue a short space. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. 
To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. And the beast that was and is not even, he is the eighth of seven and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. So I don't think he was trying to describe the geography of a city with seven mountains. And that's where Alexander Hislop, I believe, got it wrong. Okay. He's talking about seven empires or kingdoms. So we could be talking about Babylon, Persia, Grecia, Rome, and then something breaking down between three major empires in the revised Roman kingdom, like the British Empire, maybe uh, then America, the hegemony of NATO or something like that. So it's hard to know exactly what's going on there. But it has to do with empire. Hmm. Okay. And then ultimately yeah, yeah. the final or is the eighth one, which is the, the, the empire of the beast, the kingdom of the beast. Okay. But we're focusing on the woman here, so we got to get to that. Okay. So that's the hev- the seven-headed beast. Verse um, uh, 10, I think, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind. I believe these are going to be the ten Nephilim hybrid kings. Okay. And they shall give the, uh, their power and strength to the beast. They shall make war with the Lamb. So they're going to be alive and around when Christ returns. Yeah. They shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, because the beast and the whore came up out of the waters. Okay. The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples. And multitudes and nations and tongues. So the water is like the sea of humanity. It's not literally an ocean. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't think they're literally mountains. He he tells you they're not mountains. Okay. You know. Yeah. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beasts, which we know are kings, mm-hmm. because they're not horns. They're not little horns. Yeah. That's, that's the image. That's the vision. But these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts... To fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So the woman has ridden all the governments of the earth Mm -hmm. out of the sea of humanity, which are all aligned with the dragon, to bring her to her final phase where she will grow rich and powerful until her usefulness to the serpent has expired. Yeah. And then his ten Nephilim kings are going to destroy her. Hmm. So we know she's mystery, Babylon the Great. It must be that mystery religion which has been dancing around for all these many thousands of years, the worship of the dragon. Yeah. And he's going to pull back the veil and say, worship me now. Yeah. No more Saturn, no more this, no more that. Here's my real name. Whatever. Hmm. Okay. Now, the last verse of the chapters, chapter 17, verse 18 says, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So the woman, Mystery Babylon, is a city, and she reigns over the kings of the earth. It's not a city that sits on seven mountains. The seven mountains are seven kings or empires. Mm -hmm. So what city reigns over the kings of the earth? Has it always done so? Because there's no one city that's ever done that. Except if you use Babylon and you say, the religion of Babylon has reigned over the cities of the earth. Which is why when we talked about Washington, D.C. and its occult origin, it goes back to Babylon. Yeah. So that would be true of every major governmental city. 
But could it also mean that it is a city that will reign over all the kings of the earth at some point, which would make sense if the Antichrist comes into power and he sets up his headquarters in the city where his temple is going to be. Now, I could be way off here, but I just want to ask your opinion. You don't think that this could potentially be the Roman Catholic Church? No, but that's what Alexander Hislop thought it was. Okay. Hmm. How does the Roman Catholic Church rule over the Muslim world or the Hindu world or the Shinto world or the Jewish world? It doesn't. Okay. But it does reign, and I was reading right here, the woman mystery of Babylon is a city that reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, those are some kingdoms that it does not reign over, right? But it does reign over Latin America, North America, yeah. a vast part of Europe. Well, and there was a time when Russia. they reigned over all of Europe. Yeah, Russia. Um, I don't know about, I would say no to China, right? Well, the Catholic Church didn't reign over Russia. The Greek Orthodox Church did. Okay. So that was Eastern Orthodox. So they split early on. And that, so some argue that were the two legs of the image. You know, West was Roman Catholic, East was hmm. Byzantium. Okay. Yeah. You know, the Eastern Orthodox. And that came out of the, the basically what we call Turkey today, mm -hmm. the Byzantine Empire. And that migrated up through Armenia to Russia and all that. So there's a lot of uh, Eastern Orthodox. Okay. Even Armenia today is East Orthodox. And Russia's returning. After communism, it returned. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't think it fits the pattern. I think it's a type. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But I think it's coming to be something else. And, and as we go further, we'll, we'll see some more okay. clues. So go to Revelation 18, verse 1. And after these things, when we just read the verse about it's that city that reigns over the kings of the earth. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit in a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, you could say that's the College of Cardinals, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, yeah, and, yeah. if you want. But I think it's more than that. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Okay, so now, where does the Catholic Church cause everybody to get rich? They're rich. No doubt. But I'm not so sure that this, and then it's the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, the cage of every unclean bird. And this entire chapter is going to be the destruction of Babylon. Okay. So what we see here then is these uh, devils and spirits and birds are demonic entities mm -hmm. or unclean spirits. They're going to inhabit the city, pointing to it being a headquarters for demonic activity, like Washington, like London, like Rome. Yeah. Okay. All this, all those are certainly in antiquity inhabited by devils. But this is going to be like the culmination of it. This is where they're all going to focus. And by the way, in the time of the conquest of Canaan, when Israel came out of Egypt, mm -hmm. and they went into the land, it was filled with giants. Yeah. Where was the concentration and focus of giants in the world? In the promised land. Yeah. Israel. <clears throat> okay. So it, to me, it would make sense where everything... Instead of all roads leading to Rome, all roads are leading to Jerusalem. Yeah. Something in Israel. All right, look in verse 4. Same chapter, Revelation 18. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. 
Now, this is Israel is God's people. We're talking about the restoration mm-hmm. of Israel when he will deal with them as a nation again. Mm-hmm. So what city would Israel be dwelling in? Well, Jerusalem, right? Yeah. yeah. Not Rome. Yeah. You know, not Washington, even though there's Jews all over the world right now. Yeah. But if it's my people, and isn't it interesting, as we'll see in a little bit, when Christ warned about the Antichrist making himself known in the temple, he says, flee from Judea hmm. and go to the wilderness. Okay. All right. I saw another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins. And that you receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven. And God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. So she's the persecutor, the blood of martyrs and saints and prophets. And he's saying double back to her everything she dished out. Make Hmm. her take it. How much uh, she hath glorified herself. And live deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judgeth her. So the saints are warned to come out of her. So why would God's people, namely Jewish believers, be in the ancient city of Babylon in Iraq? Or why would they be in Rome? Or why would they be in Beijing? You know, they would be in Jerusalem, particularly if the temple is rebuilt Mm -hmm. on the original site. Yeah. Because then that's where the sacrifices will start up again. Now, do you remember some descriptive words about the city when we first read about her? How what what made her rich? What were some of the descriptive things that made her rich? It was like gold and fine linen and purple. Do you remember any of that when we first read that? Yeah. In Revelation okay. 17. Yeah. So these were all, and and I think it said pearls. Or There, there were several things yeah. that you think, okay, yeah, it's whoever the city is, they're rich. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So keep those in the back of your mind. Okay. Because you're going to see that's going to tie back in. And I'm going to give credit to Ryan Peterson again for, for sharing that thought with me. We'll go to verse 9, Revelation 18, 9. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Remember, we just read they're going to burn her up. Yeah. Fire to consume her. Standing afar off uh, for fear of her torment, the merchants, the kings, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of purple, of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thyan wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of precious wood and, and of brass and of iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat, the list goes on and on, and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her 
shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught. So you think all these countries, the merchants from the countries that these kings reign over, are selling these goods that yeah. we just listed, this long list, to this city. And now it's all gone. She's not going to be around to buy them anymore. Yeah. Right? What do you recognize about all of this wealth? Does anything stand out to you about this? If somebody said, how do you count your wealth today, John? You wouldn't say, well, I got a lot of purple and silk and scarlet yeah. and cinnamon and, and ointments. That wouldn't be, you might say, well, I've got a nice 401k or yeah. whatever. I've got, a, I've got a great retirement plan. I invested in gold. Gold might be something you would bring up. Yeah. But most of these, you'd have to say, are not what you would count or measure wealth by. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Ryan Peterson, and he barely touched on this, but he struck a chord with me at our um, debriefing convention, and he talked about all of those items are the things that were used to build the temple hmm. that Solomon okay. built, right? So let's go to Second Chronicles. Now, it's in three chapters, so we can't read them all. Second okay. Chronicles 2, 3, 4, and 5, four chapters. But Ryan pointed out the connection of the items of her wealth of Babylon to the adornment of the temple which Solomon built. Hmm. It's no coincidence that King Solomon turned to worship idols after he built the temple because of fornication. Mm -hmm. Because he loved many women and his wives and concubines turned his heart away from the Lord to worship other gods. He is a type of the millennial reign of Christ until his heart turns and then he's a type of the Antichrist. Hmm. In either case, he's in Jerusalem. So in 2 Chronicles 2, verse 7, we read, and this was Solomon, King Solomon, reaching out to the king of Lebanon, whose name was Hiram. And he said, hey, you have all the cypress wood, and you've got all these skilled workers that know how to cut it. Send me those guys to help me build my temple. So it's like a decree. He's asking him, you know, and I'll pay you all this money if you'll do this. Send me now, therefore, a man cunning to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in iron and in purple and crimson and blue, and that can skill to grave with the cunning men that are with me in Judah and in Jerusalem, whom David my father did provide. Send me also cedar trees, fir trees, and algum trees out of Lebanon. For I know that thy servants can skill to cut timber in Lebanon, And behold, my servants shall be with thy servants, even to prepare me timber in abundance. For the house which I'm about to build shall be wonderful great. Hmm. Now, we're just seeing a fraction of it. But if you read all those chapters and all the stuff that went into the building of the temple, it's all the stuff from the list of Revelation 18. Wow. Okay. So that's pointing to it being Jerusalem becoming the wealthy center. Because if suddenly they passed a law and said tomorrow they can build the temple, and they said, okay, we need all this stuff. Yeah. We're going to need tons of gold and, and cedar and cinnamon and purple and whatever. Then all these merchants are going to get rich yeah. off of them. And I think the financial focus is going to be on Jerusalem. That wow. would be okay. a monumental change. Now, going back to Revelation 18, there's more. than you know. We said in all that list of items, it also had the souls of men, slaves mm-hmm. and the souls of men. Yeah. So that is another picture of a religious aspect going mm-hmm. on here. And in verse 17, the second half of verse 17 of Revelation 18, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships 
And sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning. Remember, the city's burning. It's being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Saying, what city is like unto this great city? And so if they're standing afar off and they're in their ships, it's got to be near a coast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least close enough to where you can see the smoke from the harbor. Yeah. Right. So, again, looking more like Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, And when they cried, when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. She's going to be rich. Uh, For in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets. Now there comes a big red flag. He says, rejoice heavens and the apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. What do they know about Rome or D.C. or Geneva? Yeah. Right? For God hath avenged you on her. Avenged you on her. Then she, the city, must have had some connection to their deaths. Right? Mm-hmm. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft ye be shall be found any more in thee. It took a lot of craftsmen from Hiram to help Solomon build the temple. Yeah. The sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. The light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. Come out of her, my people. Mm-hmm. The people... Of it, God is the bride. Yeah. The bridegroom is Jesus, right? And for thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries all nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. So hmm. the blood of prophets and saints and all that were slain has to do with the, the saints and yeah. the prophets. Yeah. So it's Jerusalem. Jesus, uh, earlier than this, actually tells us Jerusalem is responsible for the blood of all the prophets and saints. Hmm. And so we'll see that in Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, verse 46. And he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers that live in Jerusalem. And when we talk about, you know, uh, the the hold and habitation of every unclean bird and every foul spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's what that these guys are, the religious leaders of Israel, just like our politicians today. They're demonic-controlled yeah. entities. Hmm. Wow. Woe unto you also, you lawyers, for you laid men with burdens, grievous to be born. We can say that of Congress. And ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for you build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly you bear witness that ye allowed the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, the prophets. And ye build their sepulchres, their tombs. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias. And that tells me that when Abel was killed, it was somewhere in the vicinity of Jerusalem, Hmm. before there was a Jerusalem. Yeah. Because the Garden of Eden is Israel. Yeah. Well, I should say Eden is Israel. They were cast out of the Garden, but the region, the whole land, wasn't yeah. the Garden. Yeah. 
from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You enter not in yourselves, and them that were entering in you hindered. So we see a generation of vipers control Jerusalem in Jesus' earthly ministry. And he's saying, you're guilty of all the prophets. Well, where did they dwell? They dwelt in Jerusalem. Yeah. If we go to Matthew 23, verse 31, similar context, Jesus speaking to Pharisees, wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that you are the children of them which killed the prophets, just like we read in Luke. Fill you up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. Mm -hmm. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall you scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Where's the temple and the altar? Jerusalem. Yeah. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now, this wasn't in Luke. The next verse. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets hmm. and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicken under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. That's a reference to the destruction of Babylon. Yeah. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, because the bridegroom is no longer in the city, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I believe there's no mistaking mystery Babylon. Hmm. Yeah. It's Jerusalem, which will be, when it stands uh, and rises up and they build this new temple again, the wealth flows into it to build that temple. And then... The Antichrist stands up in the middle of it and says, I'm God, mm -hmm. and turns two-thirds of Israel to worship him and take the mark of the beast. That's when they start persecuting and killing all the saints. And Jesus has come out of her, my people. Yeah. And they flee into the wilderness. Go to Isaiah to kind of start to wrap this up here. Isaiah chapter 14. We know that's the chapter that names Lucifer. Yeah. Thou art thou yeah. fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. And then later on in verse 22, he says, For I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and son and nephew, saith the Lord. I will also make it a possession for the bittern, which is a bird, hmm. an unclean bird, hmm. okay. and pools of water, and I will sweep it with the besom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I purpose, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land. Hmm. Assyrian is a reference to the Antichrist. Yeah. He's in my land, Israel, where Jerusalem is. And upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulder, and shall not the government of the Antichrist. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations because the wrath is coming on not just Babylon, mm -hmm. Jerusalem, but the whole world. Yeah. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? Who's going to undo it? 
and his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? In the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. And he was just saying, that's when I got this prophecy from the Lord. Okay. And the king During King Ahaz's, uh, the, the year that he died. And then, it's funny, because Isaiah makes this final statement. He says, Rejoice not, thou whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. And he's referring to uh, the Assyrian oppressor could have been at that time, could have been a reference to uh, Sennacherib. Okay. Uh, but I think it was a reference to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Babylon. He says, Rejoice not thou whole Palestine, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. Hmm. A prediction of the birth of the seed yeah. of the dragon. A fiery flying serpent, a cockatrice. That blows my mind. Even the Antichrist himself is referred to as an Assyrian, a Babylonian king. Assyria is the progenitor of the Babylonian Empire. See, he's going to rule from Jerusalem, hmm. the mountain of God. That's yeah. his, that was his goal from the beginning. He wanted to ascend above the mount of God. Yeah. Where's the mountain of God? It's Zion. It's Jerusalem. So it would make sense that Jerusalem is mystery Babylon. Now, I told you this before, but we're going to read it this time to close, okay. uh, to wrap it up here. Uh, Christ warned the believers in Israel to flee from Judea yeah. and go into the wilderness. Why? Because that's where Jerusalem is. And mm -hmm. when are they going to flee? Well, watch. In, in Matthew 24, verse 15 says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Yeah. Where is that? In the temple. Mm -hmm. Where's the temple? Jerusalem. What is he talking about? When the Antichrist declares himself to be God and sets an image up. That's the abomination of desolation. Then he says, when you see this, whoso read, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is in the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Hmm. And all this has to do with them fleeing from the, the, yeah. the wrath of the dragon and the Antichrist. So they're going to flee into the wilderness. And we kind of talked about Petra and Edom or, or Jordan. This being a place that they would go. Possibly, yeah. 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 There's a lot of people that think that might be where God can hide them and, and, and take care of them and feed them for the next three and a half years. Hmm. Okay. But to close, what we know is that desecrated temple is going to be destroyed by God. That's why Babylon has to be destroyed. Yeah. Because God's not about to dwell in a desecrated temple. Yeah where the dragon seed himself said, I'm God, yeah. there's no way. He's going to build a whole new temple. We'll get into that when we talk about the millennial reign of Christ. All that's in Ezekiel 40 and 48 for the details of the new temple and Israel's borders and all that stuff that's going to be built there. But for now, let's look at what happens to the land in the day the Lord comes back. Okay. In Zechariah 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. 
And this is talking about the second coming of Christ. Here. Okay. All right. So somehow it's like the Antichrist attacks Jerusalem. The armies gather in Armageddon, and Ryan pointed this out too, Ryan Peterson, that the battle's not in Armageddon. That's where the armies amass. Okay. They attack Jerusalem. And that's where the ten kings hate the whore and they want to destroy her and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Okay. That's the attack right here. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and that's the reason why he said uh, earlier, get out of her. You know, come out yeah. of her, my people. They flee into the wilderness, so he's going to take care of them. But for three and a half years, they're being ravaged and destroyed and burned and all these attacks are happening to, to Jerusalem. It's like after he declares himself to be God or something like that, then he's trying to take over the thing and mm -hmm. get rid of anybody that wants to uh, uh, object to his reign as God or whatever. Yeah. And so they're attacking the city. And then at the end of that three and a half years, the Lord comes back. And so here he comes. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half the mount shall be removed toward the north and half of it toward the south. And it makes me wonder if that might not be part of that earthquake. Yeah. You know? Big explosion. Yeah. Ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as you said from before the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. Hmm. So there's an earthquake for sure. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it, uh, and it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. It makes me wonder if that earthquake opens up some... Opened up, yeah, some underground... Artesian well or something. Yeah. And summer and in winter shall it be. This river is going to flow and it'll never stop. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place. From Benjamin's gate under the place of the first gate, under the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel under the king's winepress. And all that to say that I think what's going to happen is through that earthquake, a huge mountain is going to rise up in the place of where all that destruction is taking place. Yeah. And it's going to be like a huge plateau. And that's going to be the mountain of God where the new temples are wow. in Ezekiel. Yeah. Wow. We're talking tectonic shifts and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. It's going to be crazy. And men shall dwell in it once they rebuild the city. Mm -hmm. And there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Okay. So everything seems to be pointing to me that Jerusalem has to be destroyed. It's mystery Babylon. And when the Lord destroys it, he's going to cause something to change geographically so much that the whole region is not going to be recognized. Yeah, and there's going to be water coming out of the ground. It yeah. sounds like two rivers. All of a sudden you have this beautiful, I mean, it's going to change climate-wise completely, yeah. right? You're going to have this beautiful landscape all of a sudden with rivers. And, and they're literally going to build the new temple uh, on top of that well, Mm -hmm. That's going to flow down. And when it flows down from the mountain, one goes to the Mediterranean, the other goes to the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. And it's called the former and the hinder sea. And the Dead Sea, which I don't know if you know anything about the Dead Sea, mm -hmm. it's so saline, which we believe is probably because of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ah, okay. And all the salt. Yeah. You know, that you can literally just, you, you can't dive in it. I mean, like you, if you jumped in it, you'll float, <laughs> you know. 
The Dead Sea yeah. didn't have anything living in it. Yeah. You know, that's why it's called the Dead Sea. The waters are going to heal the Dead Sea and mm. they're going to fish in it again. Wow. Out of abundance. And all the salt's going to be pushed to a marsh off to the side and it's just going to be a marsh. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the sea itself will be dwelt in and there'll be fishes again and people will. And there's going to be trees that grow along the banks of this river that flows from Jerusalem out of the temple when that water comes up, you know, yeah. that we read about. And those trees are going to produce fruit that when people eat, they'll, they'll live almost a thousand years. Whoa. It's okay. incredible. And we're going to get into all that in the millennial reign of Christ. Hmm. Pretty Which interesting. It's going to probably take more than one episode. Yeah. It's going to take several. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully, folks, you've learned something about my belief in cons- concerning um, Jerusalem and Mystery Babylon. I think she is Mystery Babylon when she, it's not there yet. It's not yet yeah. because the temple has to be rebuilt, but that's going to be the temple that's going to be desecrated by the Antichrist. But he's going to be rich. All those kings giving him their power. Yeah. And all these nations bringing their wares that look like the, the trappings of the temple. Hmm. like Ryan Peterson pointed out. So thank you, Ryan, for that insight. And thank you, John, for being here. Sure, sure. Thank you, folks, for listening today. Till next time, look up for our redemption draws near. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. 